Welcome to the Periods and Power Moves podcast and I'm your host, Gianni Lee. I'm your modern day period coach, certified life and success coach and clinical hypnotherapist. I help women to eliminate PMS and realign to their cycles so that they can find their flow, stop hustling, improve their health, increase their impact, influence and success in their businesses and lifestyles. It's my soldiers and mission to educate and empower you on the power of your period. In this podcast, we talk all things menstrual cycles, mindset, business, success, productivity, hormones, spirituality, manifestation, and all the stuff in between. You're ready to figure out how you can use your period to make power moves, aren't you? Of course you are. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the Periods and Power Moves podcast with me, Vianney Lee. I'm saying hello in a surprised way because I feel like I haven't recorded a podcast intro in such a long time. So much has happened. We've gone through COVID and quarantine and lockdown and Black Lives Matter. Um, There's been so much that's gone on. I have actually launched um, two programs during the last time that I spoke to you guys. Um, I launched a program called Period Power Activism. Um, which was just an absolute blast. It's all about how to use your menstrual cycle to support your social change and racial justice efforts. And that was absolutely incredible. And I'm going to be launching a new round of that soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. (laughs) And actually there's a link in my bio on Instagram to get yourself on the wait list for that next round. And I also launched Flow Zone Alchemy, which was my eight-week program that I was talking about in between some episodes over the past month or so. Um, I launched that. I enrolled seven incredible people into the program. We start in a couple of days. And yeah, I'm so, so excited for the, the new developments that are happening within Status Flow Collective. And I'm really excited to share with you today's episode. So this was recorded on May the 13th during COVID, um, UK quarantine and lockdown. And today I'm talking to Clara Hermit. So Clara Hermit is a personal development coach. She's a radio and TV presenter, and she's extremely passionate about helping people to have their own personal revolution. In this episode in particular, we're talking about what it takes to be unapologetically ourselves, healing from grief, overcoming mental constructs, embracing our bodies and loving ourselves. After losing her mum to breast cancer as a child, Clara felt like the world really had it in for her. She said the world around her seemed to support this narrative and it led her to become depressed and very unhappy. It was actually the death of her sister that served as a turning point for her. She describes to me as the very small rumblings and beginnings of her own personal revolution. Clara said her sister's death made her realise how blessed she was to be alive It made her see how no matter what, she had a duty to discover a way to live happy, be fulfilled and turn her personal development and spirituality into a journey. Now Clara is completely different to the one that she was back then. She says investing in herself over eight years is a testament to how powerful we really can become when we have the right guidance and knowledge. And after posting about her experience on social media, because of the response she got from people made her realize how many of us are looking for these shifts, growths and change. Clara is now a personal development coach an accredited NLP practitioner, a clinical hypnotherapist. And Clara and I actually became friends when she interviewed me on her BBC Radio London show about how you can use your inner seasons of our menstrual cycle as a tool to manifest our best lives. So much has gone on over the past couple of months with COVID and Black Lives Matter, like I said. This interview was too good not to share and I don't want it to be sitting, waiting for the right time to release it. The right time is now and I really hope you enjoy this episode. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring on Clara. To the Periods and Power Moves podcast and today on Bloody Brilliant Boss we've got the amazing Clara Hermit. I'm so excited to have you on here today Clara. How are you doing? I'm good thank you. Lovely. How are you? I'm so good. Um, before we actually get started I always um, want to ask this question I always forget so I want to ask you before we even jump into this podcast interview how are you honouring yourself, re- recognising yourself and celebrating yourself at the moment? 
at the moment, I would have to say that I am spending a lot of time um, being very introspective and actually rather than just coasting through life and then having moments where I reflect and think, I'm not doing what I want to do. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I'm actually now stopping and asking, right, why? Why, why, why? And then working out what's there and working through that stuff. So it's stuff that I've probably put off for years and years. And essentially for me, there's kind of like this big bunch of resistance and kind of anger and rage, which doesn't sound like when you say like honoring and all of that kind of stuff, but it, I've carried it around for a long time and it comes up, I guess, when it comes to talking about my career and it comes to talking about success. And normally what I'll do is just swerve it and, you know, go and watch some Netflix or go and do this or go and do that because, you know, I can be out and about. Um, but I've kind of reached the point now where I'm like, no, because we keep, I keep repeating the same cycles whereby I get really excited. I start a new endeavor and then I'll carry it on for, for maybe sometimes even only a couple of weeks. Then, you know, I have a, a shift in mind state or whatever. I don't feel great. And then I just stop doing that thing. And that's not honoring my creative self. That's not honoring um, the, the part of me that wants to give what I have to give. So mm. I'm really cracking down on that. So I can finally actually deliver things rather than just starting and stopping, starting and stopping and starting and stopping. It's about, for me now, creating consistency within my own life not for anybody else but just for myself and sometimes I think that when we talk about honoring ourselves or we talk about self-love and how we're loving and respecting ourselves we think that it's going to be you know this pleasurable rosy experience mm -hmm. and very often it's not it's nitty gritty like dirty work to get to the place where we want to be because it's the stuff that we've put off for the longest so yeah, yeah that's how I'm honoring myself at the moment oh I love the level of detail there and I love that you said it's dirty work the inner work is dirty work for real oh my god that is like a sound bite right there okay so amazing so um Clara like you have such an incredible story and I I feel like your story to me it just screams perseverance and like healing through heartbreak resilience so much strength I could go like on and on about all of the things that I've kind of picked up from um picking up pieces of your story but we haven't actually spoken about it um so mm -hmm. if you could share with us the story of how you've carved out you know your life as a coach and entertainment presenter host um a speaker um all-round talent <laughs> that that <laughs> champions um positive body image and self-acceptance and self-love and self-confidence so i think like my my story really starts with my mum dying and i know that sounds really harsh but my up until my mum died my life was pretty idyllic like i had a, you know, my brother my sister like my mum was a, a school teacher and she stopped working apart from doing a bit of substitute teaching to be with like to be with us and she was really playful and artistic so we had like, we'd always have loads of fun. My dad was like hard working, but he was also like very, uh, he's still very like a childlike and playful. So it was great. Like everything was great. And mum got ill, but I don't think any of us realized the gravity of it. And we certainly didn't realize that she was going to die. Um, and even at the point where, you know, she was in and out of hospices, I didn't know what hospice was. So I thought it was mm. where, you know, people who aren't very well go and have a rest and then they come home again. Mm. Um, and when I was nine, my mum passed away of breast cancer. So she'd had breast cancer. She had it originally when my younger brother was born and then it came back um, and she kind of had secondaries all over the place. Uh, and they ju it just really took, took hold. Um, and I think what happened at that point was that what should have happened in the way that I look at it now is like a house. If they're, say you've got a house and there's an earthquake and the foundations of that house are, are compromised, that house becomes unstable, right? And there's some cracks in the walls and etc. And essentially what you should do is knock that whole house down and then build firm foundations for the way that the, the earth has now shifted mm. and build up from there. But unfortunately, what my family decided to do, because they didn't know any different, was to just paper over the cracks, like fill in the cracks and pretend everything was OK. And it wasn't. Mm. Um, and I was a child and I didn't know what grief was. I didn't know how to express emotion. And I was just following the example of the adults in my life, which was yeah. just carry on as if nothing's happened. Um, and that led, to, I mean, it led to loads of stuff, but mostly it led to self-loathing, like in a roundabout way. I ended up, I like, hated myself. Um, and then there was, like, I was bullied at school and there was eating disorders. Um, so it was just, but I think my life was incredibly chaotic. 
and my memory of uh, like a huge chunk of my life is really not particularly clear um and when i was in my early 20s I'd, i i had a boyfriend who was really great like quite stable he came from like a really stable family and i'd started to kind of at first i wanted to be a glamour model so i had a, a breast augmentation because i had no boobs and i figured that if i had a boob job that like, i'd be more confident um i would be more attractive like i could make a living out of it like in my head this was and it was I guess the age of like the page three girl and the kind of glamour yeah. girl. Um, I had the operation, didn't really change anything. If anything, it probably made things worse. I tried glamour modeling for a couple of months, realized it wasn't for me. And then I was like, now what? Um, mm. And the presenting thing, I happened completely by mistake. I met a random person at a party who happened to have a channel on Sky that did an interactive gaming show that was looking for presenters. And I was like, I can do it. And because I was <laughs> drunk, I mean, I used to be really shy and introverted. And at this point, like the, I wouldn't, I would never have said yes to it had I been sober. I was like, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. <laughs> the next day I was like, I can't do it. Cause I couldn't even make phone calls. I was in my early twenties, but even if I had to call the doctor to make an appointment, I got massive anxiety, like communication okay. really scared me. Mm. Um, and my ex-boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time was like, you have to call this guy, like call him. So he kind of sat there and I called this guy um, and I made an appointment to go for a screen test and it was like the most excruciating 20 minutes of my life. Like <gasps> awkward, I was uncomfortable, but um, luckily the owner of the channel, even though the producer of the show was like, we could never use her. The owner of the channel was like, yeah, we can, she'll be great. Like, we'll, and he gave me a couple of glasses of wine before my first show. And something happened whereby when I was in front of a camera, the identity that I had, that I was adhering to dropped and I became mm. someone else which was really interesting and I could be kind of loud and confident. So it was like quite freeing for me in a sense to have that experience. And it's, I would never have even considered it had it have been, you know, down to me. I ended up working for Sky. So I was working for their gaming channel, which was great. Um, and just starting to earn like decent money and it was all going great. And then my older sister, who's two and a half years older than me was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was 25 at the time. Mm. Um, and it just, my whole world just stopped, I think. Like at that point, I was like, oh no, it's happening again. It's happening mm. again. Um, and I started having uh, stress-induced vertigo. So I was just getting really dizzy and then I was having panic attacks. Um, but at the time I was in a place where I was like, I don't have panic attacks, you know, I'm such a strong, courageous person. I would, that's not what I have. That's not what's happening to me. Um, to the point where I actually paid £1,500 to have a brain scan because I was convinced it must be a brain tumour. Like, it couldn't have been anything oh to do with like, emotional stress. Or, um, but I had to stop working because I couldn't drive and it was like a two-hour drive to work. And every time I was on air, I was getting dizzy and having panic attacks. Mm. Um, and so I guess then my sister's ill and her journey, whatever you want to call it, with breast cancer was pretty relentless for six and a half years, actually. Oh. Um, and it just kept coming back and back and back and and she passed away so she died it's eight years ago at 31 mm. um and just before she died so maybe like four months before she died we were both working for the same person i was working for a personal trainer as this lady and my sister was a beauty therapist so she was her masseuse and she'd given us without telling both of us the secret dvd yeah so we both it like independently of each other and one day my sister just said to me I gave myself breast cancer and I was like what do you mean she's like I gave myself breast cancer because I always believed I would get breast cancer and die oh, and goodness. I was like really angry with her and I was like no you can't you know that don't say that that's not true like you know um and when she died she uh I don't know she'd kind of started a little bit of a journey in terms of like reading some books like Louise Hay you can heal your life like all of that mm. kind of stuff um, and I think when she passed away was the point where I was like, I am now, I think at the time I was 28, my life has been a chaotic mess since I was nine. That's 20 mm. years of my life that, uh, I mean, I'm just giving you, I could go on forever, but there's been like sex addiction. There's been like bulimia, there's been loads of other stuff thrown into the mix. And so, um, at that point I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. they're not here like they don't have the opportunity and the chance to be here I do have the opportunity and the chance to be here and yeah I can sit here and be miserable about the fact that they're gone that's not going to bring them back or change this situation the only thing that's going to change it is me yeah. um, and I started to have that realization 
Uh, and I was actually talking to uh, Trey Song's manager because I was interviewing people. By this time, I was working for Grand Daily and interviewing music artists. And he was a life coach, right? Mm. So we'd all been out on a night out. There was loads of us congregating in the hotel lobby. And he started speaking to me. And he's like, right, why, haven't you why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you done this? Why don't you believe this? Why do you think like this? Wow. And I, at that point, I was still very much attached to my kind of poor me um, mentality. Like that mm. poor me victimhood. And he was just like, you have to take responsibility for all of it. And I remember wow. being so angry with him. I was like bawling my eyes out, just being like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. This happened to me. And so all of that, and that happened. So my sister died in the, um, in the January and that was in the May. And he then introduced me to Byron Katie and the work by Byron Katie. Oh. And then I started working for a youth organization. So I got to go to the school for the work in LA. And I just kept reading and reading and reading and reading. Then I had like a brief, um, friendship with Craig David online where we'd have like a, and this was at the time before he'd restarted this second career yeah and it was a time he was in Miami and he was reading all of these books so like Shakti Gawain living in the light like all of this stuff and he would send me book recommendations and I'd send him book recommendations and he'd say to me you know you do realize like you're the only like there's only you and you know all of this kind of stuff yeah um, and it's been a process of slowly slowly like gradually you know picking away all of the the crap Mm. and getting back to who and what I actually am yeah. um and the personal development thing came in because I guess I've always said I never want people to feel how I felt so how I felt back then in that time I don't want people to feel like that like it was awful it's the worst to feel like that every day is yeah. just horrible um and so for me to be in a place where I'm like shit well this is what I needed to do this is what I had to do all along why did no one tell me this? Why didn't I know this before? So it's kind of the more people that are out there spreading these messages and that are able to help people, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what led me here is the fact that I don't want other people to suffer. And we, a lot of us are suffering needlessly. Like we yeah. could literally change this. Mm. So that's where that drive comes from. Wow. So, uh, there's so many points in that. I just got absolute goosebumps and just hearing you actually just explain or just describe from being nine years old to, you know, up to the age of 28. And then, you know, that whole 20 odd years is just such a huge part of your life for you to come out now. And the way that I see that you show up for your audience, your community and the people that you know, trust you, you just do it from a place of, I am here to help you to see that it doesn't have to be that the way that you think it needs to be. And I think that the way that you, you show and share your message is so inspirational, especially with everything you've been through and being able to see that part of pain and seeing how you can turn it into a powerful aspect of your life is just truly inspirational. And I don't think I've ever shared this with you before or anyone actually in my audience but that one of the reasons why I resonate with you so deeply is because my mum had breast cancer too and um you know breast cancer has been in my family you know it's what's it one in two now one in three um and it's um you know my mum got it when I was I was 11 um and she made a full recovery she had a uh, a, a mastectomy and her baby sister, my aunt, got it when she was 30, 30 or 32. And she didn't make a full recovery and she did pass away. So it's just something that I feel like it's one of those things, especially when you're so young, you don't understand the feelings and the emotions and the grief and how to process it all until you get to the ripe old age of being in your 20s late you know, your late 20s and your 30s and you're suddenly like, how do I deal with all of these emotions? So, oh my goodness, I suppose for you, what I really want to ask you is like, how do you, there's one thing that you always want to talk about and it's about how you show up and be your authentic, your most, you yeah. know, realist self. And that's something that I really want to talk about with you here because um, I feel like, especially in this day and age of what's going on, it's very hard to show or it could be seen, seen hard to show who you really are with all of these filters and all of these pieces of technology and all these different layers um, all around us. So well, I want to ask you then, what does being unapologetically yourself mean? And I think, why do I'm you sorry. think, 
that's okay and and like how do you think that it may be deemed easier said than done I think it's deemed easier said than done because none of us know who we are like we don't because we there's all of this programming that happens from such a young age um and so it's really difficult to work out and differentiate between what you what is really truly you or what you really truly like and what you've been programmed to like or want or need or any of those kind of things so I think that's there I forgot to mention um in my story but I had a preventative double mastectomy so because I carry the BRCA1 gene mutation which my sister had um I had the operation five years ago which is mad I just kind of forgot that I'd had it Mm. um but I think for me that was the unraveling so I had the boob job when I was 20 and the the um the glamour modeling career didn't work out and then I was kind of doing so I went into presenting and I wanted to do interviews but I didn't have I didn't know how to do it and I, I was too scared and nervous had the um the vertigo so then I had to quit that and I qualified as a personal trainer did that for a year and then I was like no I really want to be a presenter so I threw myself back into that world ended up working for GRM daily so I was interviewing kind of um UK grime artists like hip-hop artists some American artists um and what got picked up in the comment section that is a the platforms were male dominated was always about my appearance it was always about my appearance it was always about my boobs it was always you know, people would kind of write comments that were really sexually graphic. And I know that it was like some of it's just attention seeking and all of that kind of stuff. But that, you know, that got to me. And I think there was a part of me who did feel like my worth is my physical body. Like that's mm. all people want from me. That's all they see. That's all that they care about. Um, and they don't know who I am because also those interviews, like I love them. I'm really proud of them. Um, and I guess <laughs> sometimes people were like, oh, you're so witty. And I'm like, sometimes the comebacks are witty other times it's because I'm so awkward that I just say the first thing that came to my mind but people see me as kind of quite because I'm you know I'm quite tall um, and I take up space um people see me as one thing and I feel something completely different so I think people see me as like strong and authoritarian authoritarian maybe Mm. um and quite intimidating I've been told by a lot of people whereas inside I, I at that time I was like this shy little person so I probably pushed harder on the outside to make up for how I was feeling yeah um and as things started to you know develop like with my with my sister um and then I kind of I did tell people that my sister had passed away but I remember being like my sister's passed away I'm going back to work you know and I'm there doing making videos with this person or doing this or doing that like nothing had really happened yeah. and at that point I didn't know how to communicate so even though I had some great friends I wouldn't talk to them openly and honestly. I didn't want to show emotion in front of people. I was still like the, the lessons that I'd learned as a nine-year-old child. And this is like 20 years later. Mm. Um, and quite slowly, like the, after my sister had died, it all started to unravel. And I just thought, you know what? These are my friends. Like, I need to show up as I am and be mm. like, this is how I'm feeling. I, I, it's not going to work anymore. And if I want things to change, I have to change, right? We can't keep doing the same thing and expecting to get different results. Exactly. Um, and so when with the with having the boobs removed there was like this genuine concern i think i found out that i had the the BRCA gene mutation probably when i was about 26 27 and there was this genuine concern that like well no because my boobs are so important like this is what people like about me that's kind of what you know what was in my head like this is mm-hmm. me being sexy is like the only thing that's keeping me here like it's the only thing um that i have a value to offer and whether i thought those thoughts in a linear way like that there was my programming was that that's how you have to show up because that's your like your worth and your value um and when i decided like when the the like the light switch went off after my sister passed away that right this operation needs to happen um i decided that i would do it really openly and share it with people because what I found when I was like looking online for people like me, I found Angelina Jolie and I'm so glad that she shared her story, but she's um, like a multi-millionaires who lives in, yeah. there's me like living in a shared accommodation, you know, no boyfriend, like no kids, no, none of that. N- not even sure what my career is or where I'm going. And I'm yeah. about to have this operation. So where is somebody who looks like me and, and mm. lives a life like me doing it? Yeah. Um, and also I felt like it was a really positive thing. So I wanted to share that kind of positivity because I didn't want people to feel scared if they were in a similar situation. I wanted them to know it was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so I did like a documentary for BBC Radio 1, like filmed some stuff for The Guardian, like all of that kind of stuff. And the response that I had from my peers 
was so encouraging um, and so beautiful that in that moment I realized that it's okay to show up as me and it's okay to be vulnerable like it will be received mm. um, and so it was a really valuable like experience for me to have but once I'd had the operation I went back to my parents and I was there for eight weeks and in that time like everything I was like what at the time I was presenting for one extra and BT sport and when I went back to work after that I remember being on one extra and just thinking if I if I was to get a show here five days a week which is what you know essentially I think I want is that going to make me happy like am mm. I going to feel happy and then I was like I don't know if I am I still don't like inside of me doesn't feel okay you know like mm. I don't know what am I here for what's the purpose of this what's the point and that's when the little voice in my head went go traveling and by this time I'm 31 and you know I'm like traveling something you do in your early 20s like that's and what my head's like, no so I so, so they say yes yeah, so that we're all accustomed to believe right so I was like this is insane like I finally lost it and the voice would just be like go traveling I'd be like no shut up I'm not going to do it um <laughs> and it was so persistent that in the end I was I remember having a chat with someone who was like in my industry and saying to him thinking about like quitting everything and going traveling and him being like you can't do that like you've worked so hard to build this you know this platform like you can't just leave and go and I was like yeah yeah you're right and then it went on for a few more months and the voice would just be like go traveling go and I felt re I felt uh, blocked I felt anxious I felt uneasy I felt unsuccessful I just felt frustrated mm. at this time when the voice is saying this to me so then I thought you know what I'm gonna speak to my family and friends and see what they say so I was like look I'm thinking about maybe just quitting everything and going traveling and they were all like do it yes so I was like, okay these people who know me the most and love me the most are saying do it I'm gonna have to do it that's it and then yeah. I made the decision and I think the week that I made the decision I had this tattoo done that I've got on my like the back of my forearm which is oh, a palm I love tree that. because palm trees to me are amazing they get hit with like 100 mile an hour winds they bend and then they come back up again um, yeah and so I was like when I made that commitment I marked it on my body and I was like right that's it we're gone um, <laughs> and so I I went for 10 months um, wow. and that was like really illuminating for me. Mm. I, and I think people talk about like finding yourself or whatever, but you, you, your self is essentially there and, and there's two parts to it, isn't there? Because there's like the true self, which is just our consciousness. And then there's our personality and our ego and all of that kind of stuff, which is part and parcel of being human. Absolutely. Often it gets really demonized, but it's like, it's part and parcel. So I guess it's that kind of, deconstructing stuff that doesn't serve you and mm. keeping the stuff that does serve you and when I came back from traveling I spent the last month in a yoga school mm. but working mostly on the theory of yoga more so than than anything else so and doing a lot of meditation like 10 day silent meditation retreats and etc um and I was really I felt really empowered like as a woman to say like in terms of my body like this is my body it doesn't have to look a certain way it doesn't determine my value or my worth and by the time I came back I had like hairy armpits and hairy legs and you know yeah. like I hadn't shaved and all of that kind of stuff um and not like no one questioned it like it wasn't really a problem I remember like my friend who's a photographer like we were doing some pictures and I was like hi yeah <laughs> and laughing at me but it was kind of for me it was like I just want to I want to push back like I needed to push back against all the stuff that kind of been you know weighing me down all this yeah. time all this whole package that had been given to me with the identity of being a woman I just wanted to push back against it and I feel like you know there's some bits that I've like that I've taken back because I like them and I enjoy them and I can feel my way into them mm. um, and there's some bits that I've just left behind I suppose and yeah the more I I guess that I learned to love myself and that doesn't mean my body I love my body now like I just think it's my best friend and it's the reason that I'm here living and breathing and it carries me through life and it's yeah. amazing it's like my adventuring buddy but the more I actually love myself even all the, the shit bits even all the bits that that are for, I don't even want to say broken because they're not that's how they're meant to be like exactly I watched a video recently and it said we we choose to come here so as mm -hmm. energetic beings we choose to come here into this carnation we don't care how difficult it's going to be we know we're going to forget who and what we are yeah but we choose to come here because we want to grow and we want to expand and etc um and so it, it and it then went on to say so every single thing that happens happens for you not to you it's Absolutely. all for you so even you know people 
passing away even because the thing is and people could be like well that's a selfish way to look at it so someone died for you and for your expansion but it's like there is no other option yeah there is no way to go back or that that person doesn't exist anymore it can only i can only look at it that way otherwise i'd still be back where i was yeah and was 20 years i have to look at it that way because it's the only way that makes any sense whatsoever and if i look at it that way I can take positive from it and I can grow. If I look at it the other way, I stay miserable. So if the only thing that comes out of it is that I get to feel better, yeah. that's enough. That is enough. I'm not here to feel miserable the whole time. No. I don't want to do that anymore. And the two words you just said there is about growth and expansion. That's the most important part of the whole point of us being incarnated in this lifetime anyway. And yeah, like you either grow, you expand, or you stay stuck and sad. It's as simple as that. And I know that sounds super brutal, but you get it. And I've hoped that the people that listen to this do resonate with that as well, because it's a whole part of living. You're either growing and, and moving and expanding, or you're slowly dying and staying stuck. You know, you've been on such an incredible journey. And I read on one of your blog posts that you said, um, you'd always felt like an, an outsider and always felt like somebody who didn't fit in, fit in, in speech marks here. Um, and that's something, again, I resonate with because I felt exactly the same. And so I, I would love to know what you would tell someone who is reading that, that feels the same way. What would you tell that person? It's not true. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we have these, and, and that for me, that, belief is definitely part of my subconscious programming because I remember feeling that way from a very young age you know mm. that I don't fit in that I'm not the same as as other people and you're not could, you know, potentially could be a really brilliant and great thing you know yeah. we're all, we're all unique we're all absolutely unique and I'm sure that we've all felt that way at different times but for me it was something that I just carried with me you know it's like oh mm. these people aren't gonna like me because I don't I'm not the cool kid or I don't and then I more situations in my life happen to to reinforce that again we could look at that as a law of attraction it's what i'm believing is going to happen I, I it happened again and again and again and again in different situations um so i would say to someone who's feeling like that the first thing i would probably do is question that thought or that belief and really try and determine for yourself that it's not true and that's why i like i don't know if you're familiar with like byron katie and and the work and the series mm. of questions because it's like okay um i don't fit in once you start to question that is it true can you absolutely know it's true well, of course you can't. You haven't been everywhere in the world to know that you don't fit in somewhere. And what does it even mean to fit in? These are all just mental constructs. Yeah. And once we start to snap them down and break them, we're like, oh my God, I've lived my whole life by that thing, thinking it was a rule and a fact. And actually it was nothing more than just a, a construct of my mind. It was something that yeah. my mind made up or that is there. And the thing is, I think we have those like Oprah calls them aha moments. And we're like, yeah, great. I've got it now. I'm never going to feel like that again. But because it's a subconscious program, we fall back into it. And then we're like, oh, why am I feeling like this again? Yeah. I feel like I don't fit in. Um, and none of us are you know, immune to that. So there's ways that obviously we can work on our subconscious programming. But the biggest thing for me, I think, has been cultivating um, a voice of reason and encouragement. So that first by coming aware of what I'm thinking, becoming aware of what I'm thinking. So I'm actually watching those thoughts. I'm, I'm becoming more conscious of what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling in my body. What is my energy like? Is it good at this point? Why isn't it good? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? So rather than just existing like that, I'm saying, hold on a second. And once you get really aware, I think of what is, is going on, it's like, okay. Um, so I'm currently believing this thought it's for me, it's been about cultivating the, the voice that says no Clara you're not going down there because for me my thoughts were like a spiral so it would start with you know no one likes me um uh I don't fit in I'm like I'm worthless there's something wrong with me why does this never happen why is that my life's never going to be a success oh my god I don't want to be here anymore and it would go like on this spiral yeah. so if I could stop it much sooner I wasn't going to go on that spiral so cultivating a voice that I have now so if I catch myself become aware of myself thinking um oh that's never going to happen or whatever i'll be like hold on there's now a voice in my head that goes hold on we don't talk like that anymore you're amazing you're brilliant so kind of cultivating that you know that second voice which starts first with awareness because mm. that's a big part you know like we said about taking responsibility once you you say right okay yeah where i am right now everything that's happened to me all of it i take responsibility for all of it and that doesn't mean that it's your fault or that you caused it what it mm. means is taking responsibility so you can be at cause in your life so you can take back control of your life um 
and you can choose a different way to exist and to feel. And once you get that, and then you start to become aware of what you're thinking and, and know that it's just mental constructs, then you can start to push your barriers a little bit and push those boundaries and start to do the things that you couldn't do before because you didn't fit in mm. and prove yourself wrong. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, they slowly start to crumble and fall away. But I think, like we said about the dirty work, it's mm. you've got to start. You've got to commit to. We are, we talk about, oh, I want to go, I want, like, I want to change my body. I want to lose a bit of weight or I want to tone up. Okay, cool. Do you go for one gym session and then your body looks where you want it to? No, it takes months. It takes months. It can take years to grow muscle, yeah, right? So we've lived our life a certain way for years. We've got all of this programming, all of this baggage, all of this stuff. And we think that we do one meditation or we do one coaching session or we do one therapy session and it's all going to be better. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. There's very few people that have that instant enlightenment. Mm. Very few. And even then it takes them a while to adjust to life. For the rest of us, and I think that's for a reason that the rest of us are like that. It's about the work. Daily. Comes, yeah. Day, every single day. And nothing mm. good comes from, oh, you know, we went on holiday. We had the most amazing time. It felt really nice. I'm sure it, and it does. And it feels great. And it's lovely. And our life should be filled with experiences like that. But the stuff that cracks us open and forces us to grow bigger and expand is the horrible stuff, is the, mm. the event that you know we thought we would never be able to cope with and then they happen and we can and we do because of the way that we we look at life and the work mm. that we've already done and speaking of questions no you are of course you are and speaking of being cracked open um just before we started recording this podcast being claire was having a chat off air and off air look at me i sound like a, a radio, radio. <laughs> but um being talking of being cracked open so the oracle deck that i pulled the cards that i pulled from this oracle deck um is by rebecca campbell and she's got a book called light is the new black and she says in the book the world needs you open the world needs you cracked open or something like that i always seem to open the page on the exact moment whenever i need it i'm probably not going to find it now but it, she talks about being cracked open for a reason because the world is happening for you, not to you. And um, yeah, it just reminded me to read out the card that I pulled for you. So you chose out of two, you went for this card and it was the initiation and it says, right of passage crossing the threshold. Do you want to hear what it says? Yeah, I'd love to. So it says some of the most sacred initiation chambers and temples look scary from the outside but they are breathtakingly beautiful on the inside. This represents the journey that the soul pilgrim, pilgrim is required to take to reach somewhere sacred, but only the initiator can enter. Perhaps that's where you are right now. You are being tested, initiated, because you are heading somewhere sacred. Initiations require that we cross the threshold from one world or state of being to the next. We are faced, sorry, we are called to face what scares us, and have to be willing to lose it all in order to gain a new way of being, of safety, of security, of depth, of meaning. Initiations are like rites of passage, mark the shift from one age to the next, and can take place because of emotional turmoil, great loss, grief or devastation. But it's through the seeming hardship that our heart cracks open <laughs> and our there spirit is invested to step forward. We take the sacred voyage into more of who we are, and who we came here to be. It can be painful, it can be scary, but once we begin the journey, we can be more ourselves than ever before. Oh my God. Ooh, look at that. If you're in the middle of initiation right now, you will get through it, and one day soon, you will be blessed. Oh my God, listen to this. And this is what it says. Oh my God, I've got goosebumps. You'll be, you will bless the thing that broke you down, cracked you open, because the world needs you open. Oh my God, this is what I was actually trying to find to read. This is crazy. You are going somewhere sacred. It will be worth it, and you're closer than you think. Look at that! That's Whoa. So there you go. There you there go. You go. It's just, um, yeah. It's a, it's the stuff. I think for me, it's like a real acceleration at the moment, and this this period has been like 
the, the frustration and anger that I started the podcast off talking about that kind of rage, we had a conversation about this a few weeks ago and mm. you kind of said to me, like, because I said, I think it comes from after my mum died, I would um, go to bed every night and just bawl my eyes out. And at first it was like, I want my mum back. I want my mum back. And I'd be like, please God. I didn't, I wasn't religious. I didn't grow up in a religious family, but I'd be like, if I can just have her back, like, if I can just have her back, I'll be okay. If I can just have her back. And even saying that now, I can feel that, you know, that kind of like rise of emotion. Mm. And then it turned from that to like rage. So I'd cry and then I'd get so angry and I was so filled with like anger. And I'd end up just like punching myself and kind of just, I was so angry. Yeah. Um, and when I think now, it, the, the, I would think about the things that I really want to have. So whether it's, you know, amazing coaching clients or whether it's um, like my dream presenting job or my dream house. Um, and it kept coming up because I was trying to do scripting and I was trying to do like really detailed visualization. And I'd start off being like, oh, this is great. And then suddenly this kind of like rage and frustration would come up from, you know, from like my stomach in, up through my chest into my throat. And I get so angry. And mm. I was like, why is this happening? Because this keeps happening. And what I was doing previously is I'd then leave what I was doing, walk away, probably wouldn't touch it for a few days. And I'm like, no, I need to do these practices to get where I'm going. Like, what is this? It's mm. been there for years. What is this? Um, and when I started to look at it, I think it's like from that time, all I wanted, all I wanted in the whole entire world was my mum back. Mm. And so that time taught me that you, or I took from it, you can't have what you want. You can never, ever have what you want. So if you want wow. it, you can't have it. Um, and when we were talking, you were like, is there some way that, you know, that this keep hanging on to this emotion could be, you know, like serving you in some kind of way. And so I had to kind of really sit with that because I'm like, well, I suppose so. I suppose it could be in you know in in some kind of way and and when I looked at it further it's like okay when I feel like that I have no expectations of anybody else mm. because I don't think they you know nothing's going to happen then it wouldn't do anything but I also have no expectation of myself like mm. so there's no expectation of me or no need for me to do anything because I can't have what I want so all of it's pointless anyway and so then I was like oh that's why I start things and I never finish them because I don't feel like I'm going to get so it was all of this stuff has like been you know unfolded and then I've been using like some NLP techniques so like um time techniques I've been using like parts integration like doing all this stuff amazing um, by myself to kind of put everything put everything together but it 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 really is uh kind of like yeah maybe the the I know there'll always be work to do because that's how we are as humans but this feels like something that has been there for a long long time that is Mm. finally making its way out cleansing Mm. it's a cleansing time and you know that card that i read is is quite similar to what's actually happening now like this this period this time that we're in right now like everything is being kind of broken dismantled we're all being cracked open because the world needs us open and most importantly for the work that you do you're you need to be open you need to be cracked open exposed everyone needs to see like all of those parts to let them know that you can be unapologetically yourself and you know it it comes from doing that daily inner dirty work this is going to be my new little word now do that dirty work (laughs) that dirty work um okay so speaking of periods yep we're going to jump into some period talk now obviously um Mm. So, um, tell me what it's, tell me what your relationship is like with your cycle and especially from a, from a self-love perspective as well, self-acceptance perspective. I remember when I started my period and I was 13 and it happened on Christmas Eve. Wow. Um, I remember the day. Yeah. Cause it was Christmas Eve and every Christmas Eve we went to my grandparents, friend's house. It was like a family tradition. And I remember laying on the floor in my bedroom being in so much pain. Mm. Um, I didn't want to tell anyone. So I was like, I can't, I'm not going to tell. Cause I, like my dad um, got married to my stepmom, but it wasn't like, I didn't feel comfortable telling anyone. So I was like, right, I'm going to have to, I remember just being really upset. Like, Oh no, not, not now. Um, and then I, I think for a few years, I just used to buy sandwich towels in my pocket money. And then like, until someone kind of found out, cause I was too, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to tell anyone. I just didn't know mm. how to like, find those words. Um, I went on the pill when I was 15 because I had bad skin Mm. Um, and so I went to see a dermatologist actually and they were like yeah take Dianet which is like a really high I think it's testosterone one of them like it's really high in some hormone 
I took it for 10 years mm. um, and yeah I just I really don't think that it's good I really don't think it's good for us at all in any nope. way yeah and it was actually my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer that I was like I I'm not saying that there's any relationship between her cancer and taking the pill but because she, she'd been on the same pill as me but I don't want to risk it so yeah. I'm just gonna stop now um yeah I did and then uh like then my periods came like came back but I felt so much better like I really did feel so much better um and so I think that's like a really important thing to say like from from my personal perspective I think I was like much more um I don't like not because I think emotions were really heightened and there was kind of like this almost like not psychosis is too strong a word but yeah I just go a bit crazy mm. um and that I think that really calmed down after I uh stopped taking the pill but now my relationship with my period has changed because only because I've started to look at um and been really driven to look at recently like the uh, divine feminine and sacred femininity yeah. um and the power that we have as women and the fact that we've kind of been made to feel like this thing is like shameful and and negative and it's like this this horrible thing that all you know I, I've sat there with my friends and been like oh um what do me what did me and my best friend call it like I can't remember oh doom period of doom yeah like the week of doom you know and yeah. and so it's like um that kind of uh understanding of what it means and like and what it is and and the fact that yeah that it, even the fact that it's part of nature and it lines up with like the lunar cycles and like all of that kind of stuff to me is all a little bit you know like magical but you can't argue it like you can't argue that it's true or yeah. you know like when you spend a lot of time with someone your periods sync up and when you you know there's this there is there's all these signs that tell us like there's some magic in this and I think that there's as humans we all have a lot of magic and I love mm. the word magic I'm just going to say magic. keep saying and, it <laughs> keep saying that magic and the world that we live in um, doesn't want to doesn't necessarily want us to know like I don't think there's like mad evil forces at work it just doesn't want us to know how magic we are because then the system that is built that benefits it doesn't work anymore so yeah so I don't let them know how magic they are I don't let them know how magic they are um and as women I think we're extra specially magic and mm. again like how do you how do you when someone has like an amazing talent how do you stop them from you know using that talent or experiencing that talent you tell them that they're rubbish at it you tell them they're really bad at it and that no one wants to, you know, say it was an instrument. No one wants to hear them or sing. If it's a singing voice, no one wants to hear you sing. You sound awful, blah, blah. And then they start to not like that thing about themselves because Absolutely. they think it's really bad. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what's happened over thousands of years. Um, that we've come to become, we've come to be like ashamed of this thing that is, that is really, um, really amazing. And yeah, now I'm like, all right, mate. <laughs> I think that's you know it's like here you are um and and also I think I'm way more accepting of my because I didn't used to put anything down to my cycle so I'd be like oh I just mm. why do I eat so much or why am I feeling really emotional or why and now it's like okay this is how it works and there's a reason for this and you know just being kinder to myself and you know allowing myself although I have put myself on a week-long chocolate ban it's got out of hand it's happening every day uh, but being you know like making sure that I'm supporting myself even if it's just mentally um rather than I guess repeating what the messages that I've been given from society about my uh my period and mm. my cycle so I think it's really important to just I don't know like re-educate ourselves a bit and I think it's yeah. such a shame young girls aren't educated mm. and, and the same as you know we're educated as women how to have safe sex we're not educated how to have good sex we're you know we're we're told like the the functions of our body like the what if like the yeah, physical what it does yeah but not yeah exactly and that's not all there is to it there's all the magic there's all the magic and the wisdom yeah. uh, i just want to quickly touch on the chocolate thing before we talk, yeah. about, and talk about periods but um if you're craving chocolate don't ban yourself just make um cacao treats like just get some yeah, cacao powder yeah this was just getting out of hand I, <laughs> what i like to do is get frozen bananas and put peanut butter and cacao powder in it and it makes like an ice cream bit of oat milk that's go. fine no problem with that but it was i think it's more of a sugar thing than anything else because it literally had been every day for about a month mm. and then on sunday i 
had two whole chocolate bars and I was like no no <laughs> we just need to cycle a bit I'm not I would never like deny myself like yeah no not fun, but sometimes you can get into like I think I was just I was eating it because it it was pleasurable like that's it it's like yeah it releases like, endorphins like it's the bliss this is nice. this is nice. from the coca bean you literally get that bliss feeling right yeah. and that's what it's doing um so why do you think that not why but um yeah I suppose why do you think that um women are so self-critical and in they're really struggling with con- reconnecting with their bodies their bodies that they actually live in that house them why do you think they're struggling with that? Because we're told <laughs> we, that there is this programming from day dot. And we're, as women, we're all like, you can't not be aware of it. That, that you have to, your body is there to look good. It needs to look good. Mm. Um, it needs, and that's basically, that's its essential function. That's what you're taught is your function is just the way it looks. And when it doesn't now define good, but the thing is, we're not allowed to define good for ourselves. Good is what we're shown. This is good. This is a good body. This is a bad body. This is a good body. This is a bad body. So if your body doesn't fall into the tiny brackets and really close parameters of a good body, you will feel crap because that is what you're taught. You're taught that this is good and anything outside of that good is bad. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, most of us are outside of the good. There's very mm. few of us that fit into this, you know, and I'm doing like inverted comments with my hands. There's very few of us that fit into that good because it's so small. How could we? Yeah. Um, and then, but then the good thing is for brands or companies, if I feel like, um, you know, oh, I, we aspire to that good. We're taught, we, we have to get there. We have to do it, whatever, by whatever means, yeah. whether it's putting makeup on, whether it's having surgery, whether it's being on a diet, going on a crazy fitness regime, constantly yo-yoing all over the place. We have to get there because it's so, so important. And when we get there, we're good. We're good. Um, and it means, that, you know, companies can sell us stuff because they're going to help us get there. Oh, if I have that, I'll get there. I need that thing. That will help me get there. I'll go and have that. That will do that. I'll go and, you know, and, yeah. and so how can we ever, we're not taught to love ourselves. We're not taught to be like, your bo- it doesn't, your body, whether you've got long legs or short legs, whether you've got, you know, whether you're a size two or you're a size 32, like whatever it is, I feel like the only way that you, even if you wanted to make like changes to your physical body, the only way you can do that is if you love and support your body where it's at now. You can't be like, oh, I'll love it when it gets there or I'll love it when it does this or I'll love it when it does that. We have to be able to love it now. And I still get caught in that trap. It's so easy. You go through Instagram, you're like, oh my God, she looks amazing. I don't look like that. And now I catch myself and I'm like, no, mate, no, yes. that's does not determine your value. It doesn't yeah. determine. Your value. Um, and just like I've started a Facebook group recently and, and a lot of the, the ladies that have been joining and guys as well have been answering the questions to join the Facebook group. And this kind of idea, you know, that women are going through their whole lives, hating their bodies, <sighs> constantly criticizing their their bodies feeling rubbish feeling depressed and not enjoying their life because the way their body looks Mm. it's crazy it is absolutely mental yeah it's easy to i think it's easy to see why because we have that constant programming i mean i don't know about you but even like you know my dad's had that same programming so i've kind of grown up with you know with his his views and and yeah he's ever tried to enforce anything on me or whatever you know or he's ever said anything negative about my appearance or my body or the way I look but he might have said it about other people yeah or he might have reinforced certain things mm. because he's had that same programming you know like men have been under their program or women have been under their programming and until we start to become aware that these aren't this is not real this is not truth yeah this is just a uh like a te- like a not even a template it's like okay um we're going to build a, a house. What shape do we want the house to be? We want it to be this shape. We might want it to be round. We might want it to be rectangle. We might want it to be square. Um, and once we've built that house, we stay within the parameters of that house. Mm. And that's exactly what our belief system is. Yeah. It doesn't mean there's not a big whole wide world out there. It <laughs> means we're, we're in the parameters of that prison of that house mm. because of the beliefs and the programming we have. And that's why, like, that's why we're so, you know, we're taught to, to, 
want to have that good that good body because it means everything it's the, and it's not even a thing it's not even a real thing it's not even a thing and the, what you were saying about when we get there like when yeah. i'm gonna get this i'm gonna buy this because it's gonna help me get there it's gonna help me get there there's no there there's only here right there's only here right here right now and what you were saying about you know like these different like diet plans and all of this especially for women what women aren't recognizing or what a lot of women are experiencing is that they will start let's just say they'll start a new workout routine yeah start a new workout routine that's like all the rage or whatever and then they will do that for a certain amount of time and then all of a sudden they'll be like why can't I do this anymore why is it so hard for me to continue to do this and then they start looking at themselves they start looking at themselves thinking that they're not good enough it's not going to work for them and they're seeing other people get results but they're seeing other people get results from a different gender because a lot of these things have been created these diet plans these workout routines these these market employers have been created for men because if women start trying to work out we're talking about cycles here we try, start trying to work out go like really hard in the late part of your cycle what's actually happening is that you're not going to end up losing weight you actually turn on fat storage you actually like you start wasting muscle if you start doing those things at that part of your cycle so it's like it's the awareness if they're not aware if the education's there not there then how is a vicious cycle is it going to be continuously self-deprecating and being critical of what they cannot prevent because they don't have the knowledge yeah they do not have the knowledge i hear that oh and I, I think that it's yeah it's that it's just that thing as well is like whatever whatever it is that you want to do you want to start a new business you want to until you really have a good relationship with yourself mm. imagine now okay so imagine for example we're talking about fitness so i decide right okay i want to do a new fitness regime every mm. time i do exercise in my head i'm going oh my god you're not as good as her why can't you do this you're so like you're you're shit like you're disgusting oh my god like you look like a mess now that's what I'm saying in my own head. Now, if I imagine I go to the gym and someone comes and stands next to me on the treadmill mm. and they say to me, why are you even bothering doing this? You're never going to stick to it. You're a big sweaty mess. You look disgusting. You know, people would probably be outraged and, and it's not hard to see why I would give up going to the gym. Cause every Absolutely. time I go, a person gets on the treadmill next to me and starts slating me. Mm. So we are doing that to ourselves. Yeah. We are that other person on the treadmill, right? We, yeah. we do that to ourselves all the time. So it's not hard to see why we give up we need we need a coach we need a champion in our corner that's what we need yeah. we need to be like you know what you did so great today like you you, you didn't want to go to the gym you went like what for or whatever it is you didn't want to write the business plan or you didn't want to go for that meeting or you didn't want to but you did it and i'm proud of you like yeah. you need that that's yeah. what you need Support. so yeah and when people are like when people say that, you know, I, you know, I just, I don't love myself. It is a choice. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a choice to say, I'm going to start today. I'm going to take small steps and I'm not going to stop until I get there. That's mm, it. Absolutely. Oh, okay. This is a juicy interview. <laughs> um, okay. Let me, we're running out of time. So let's do a quick fire round. Just want to know a few more little fun things about you. Okay. So, um, what are you manifesting at the moment? Um, I am manifesting the man of my dreams. Yes. And how's that going? Um, I'm, um, interestingly, really interesting. Uh, he's not here yet, but do you know what? I have never felt so, um, I don't know what's the right word. I'm completely satisfied. Like I'm so good right now. And so what it's allowing me to do is that because I've become so connected to who this person is, mm. um, that anyone that's not them, I can just tell them straight away. And yeah. that is the biggest blessing. And it's not in, you know, not in an arrogant way, not in a horrible way, none of that. I just know you are not for me. And mm. so my energy is not going to go there. And yeah. that's it. End of. And I was never able to do that before. Even if it was someone that was like going, Clara, I don't want a relationship. You know, this is, you know, it's just going to be casual in my head. I'd be like, no, but I really want you to want me. You need to want me. You need. Um, yeah. And I go, it's like, I wasn't listening to what they were saying. I, but whereas now I'm attracting, I'm attracting people who 
want the same thing as me. Oh. What I'm also attracting is people that are showing me the parts of myself that I still need to work on. Mm. Um, and so even if it's only from having a couple of conversations with somebody, which I'm really grateful for and gracious, they're teaching me a lot about what I still need to work on and yeah. how I need to, you know, um, adjust things slightly to be able to attract the person that I, that I want to attract. So it's, that's going really interestingly. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess is that I'm just looking at my vision board and being like, mm, <laughs> a few things on there right now, but um, yeah. So, and like working with BBC three, so there's a couple of conversations that are happening around that with different production companies. Amazing. Um, and that's something that I've wanted for years, but I had mm. such a block to, as I've spoken about earlier in the podcast. So I think mm. as that's gradually starting to shift. It feels like more avenues are opening up from completely, sometimes from completely people that I completely forgotten about random mm. email so, or a message. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's divine timing right there though. Um, okay. So what would you, okay. Quick fire. If you could just give me one thing, what would you yes. personally like to see done differently when it comes to um, menstrual health educate and education? I would like women and girls to be able to feel positive about their periods. That's it. Like to have someone go in and be like, this is not something to be ashamed of. This is not something that you can't talk about. This is not something that is taboo or that you should feel bad about. This is an amazing thing. And it's your power and your fire and use it and never, ever, ever feel ashamed about it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, what is the last book that you read that shifted your perspective in a positive way? Untamed. Who told me <gasps> to read that? You did. I Are got it. I read it? it for hours. No, I read it. If you read the whole book? Yeah, I read it I haven't hours. even finished <laughs> it. How I got it. Uh, it was on a day a couple of weeks ago where I was feeling really, I woke up and I thought, I, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. And I had the book and I just stayed in bed all day and read it. Oh. And then I woke up really early the next morning and finished it. Um, and it was you told me that from the beginning. We could have been talking about Untamed the whole time. Yeah, it was a really great book. Oh, yes. amazing. Because I, okay. I think we were talking about, that there were, you told me about it because there was a story in it but again I think that's about being unapologetic and you know what is so clear in that story is that mm. we are in our lifetime we are so many different people because yeah. as as our experiences change us like we can all become hypocrites we can all you know say things from one perspective and then our perspective completely changes and we become someone else mm. and I find that so fascinating because you know what we said five years ago might be completely wrong for us yeah but that should from saying it yeah that's so true we are different people throughout our entire life you know we're changing evolving expanding growing it's yeah oh i love that book okay what's your um what's your star sign rising and moon sign do you know my star sign's cancer yeah that's it i'm gonna find out for you after this um okay and yeah so where can my listeners connect with you online and what have you got in the pipeline what's coming up for you in this time of quarantina quarantina <laughs> everybody quarantina um so you everywhere is clara hermit so youtube twitter all of that stuff apart from instagram which is miss clara hermit yes you won't go into that right now but for some reason there's a miss there um so there's that i do lots of stuff on youtube so i have a vlog called the naked truth i have a podcast called help yourself um and all of that yeah it's clara hermit and my website is clarahermit.co.uk so i've been doing some free workshops um and i will continue to do some more of that so the last one was on creating lasting change um i think there'll be one on uh, embracing your body and loving yourself I think that's the feedback that I'm getting at the moment. So I'm just mm. running some free workshops like via live on uh, on Facebook and uh, and Instagram as well. And yeah, and I've got my um, coaching uh, program, which is called Personal Revolution, because it felt like revolution to me feels fierce. And that's what mm. it is. And that's what it has been for me. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, because I think a lot of us would get to that point where we're like, I am, I'm done now. I've had enough, mm. like I'm not, not in a negative way. Like this is it. I know there's another way to be. I've read the yeah. books. I keep falling back in the trap. Now I want to, I want to commit. I want this to be different. 
Mm. And it feels like in a way you're going against that old version of yourself. It's a revolution against that old version of yourself. And yeah, so I've got that happening, which is great um, to see people go through that and, and make these changes. Yeah. And just my radio show and BBC Radio London and lots of bits and pieces, really. BBC Radio London, stuff. Tuesdays, 8 till 10. Yeah, look at that. Okay, look at me plugging you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Personal Revolution is a bomb name. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. And I love the sound of it. So I'm, I'm going to share all of your details and everything in the show notes and yeah thank you for coming on it's been magical it's been magical it's been a great chat thanks so much clara take care lovely thank you so much for listening to the periods and power moves podcast with me vianney lee if you've been enjoying this podcast then head on over to itunes and please leave me a review i'd be so so grateful if you want to continue to hear more about menstrual cycles manifestation business productivity success and mindset then come follow me on my instagram at statusflow.co and i'll chat to you on the next one